Hi, I'm Michelle Brooks. Welcome to Endo Matters. This is a podcast that helps women with endometriosis get in control of their condition, no longer letting it control them. I'll be asking you, the listener, what help you would like and giving you tips on how you can live a better life with endo. After all, endo does matter. Hello listeners and welcome to this episode of Endo Matters. So in time of going live, we are Endometriosis Awareness Month, the month of March, and this is a series of four um, episodes that we will be doing during the month just to give you a little bit more insight into endometriosis and how we have dealt with it and other people's perspective on it. So with that in mind today, I've got a very special guest on, someone I know quite well, and that is my husband, Stu Brooks. I'm going to be asking him questions about what it's like to live with somebody with endometriosis. So hello, husband. How are we? Not too bad. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here as always. Very good. So it's a very strange um, scenario here, sat at our kitchen table doing this interview. Um, obviously, I don't sit down and interview him very often, so it is a little bit awkward. Um, but bear with us. We hope we do get the information across that we want to um, point out this uh, this evening. So, Stu, when we got together, I was about 30. And um, I think at this point, if I remember correctly, my endometriosis was getting worse. And I've always said that each decade, women do suffer more and more um, as hormones change. So I'd not actually got a diagnosis at this point and doctors were fobbing me off and saying there was nothing wrong with me. Um, Can you remember how it was at that time and what it was like living with me? Well... Obviously, every month I just realised how much pain you were in, how much it controlled your life at that time of the month. But um, living with you, it was just need to be a bit supportive and, yeah, just take a bit of weight off you and try and help them out. Yeah, and I must admit, you have always been really good at that and uh, given me time to have my little moods and have a little tantrum now and again. Never. <laughs> yeah, you say that online, but you probably wouldn't say that uh, to my face. Um, so thinking back to that time, can you remember kind of what symptoms I was having and the worst you'd actually seen me at? Well, the worst sort of times that were just uh, complete pain doubled up. You couldn't walk or talk or just really get out of bed sometimes. It was obviously not nice seeing you know, your partner like that, but as I said, you've just got to do what you can, help out and be there and fetch and carry what's needed. Yeah, and uh, obviously, like, thinking back now, like, where I am today and thinking back to how actually I was, and I always, like, talk about a time where, um, I don't know if you remember this, but I was um, having a really bad day and I'd, like, keeled over on the landing in pain and I'd got my phone in my pocket and I'd rung you at work and um, I think you came home from work and by the time you got there... I was uh, I was back in bed again, sat up there smiling, and you were like, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, go back to work then. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think you did go back to work, but um, you flew home, and I think that at that point I thought I needed to go to hospital, and uh, and obviously you came back. Um, what, what was what was going through your head at that point when I called you out of work in distress, and then get there and there's like, well, there's not say there's nothing wrong with me, but I was better. Well, obviously, there's the concern there when you ring up. Um, part of it when you get back is initially you think, well, why have you rung me? There's an out up with you. But part of it is also that you're glad you 
better than you were, you know, because I said no one likes to see someone they care about in pain. Yeah, I can imagine. It's really like interesting this because obviously I see it from my point of view and and how much I suffered. But then when you live with somebody, obviously they they take a brunt of it as well in in like other ways than just the pain. It's just the like seeing someone that you care about in in that much agony. So yeah, I can imagine it's not that easy. Mm, yeah, it's. You, you you live with it obviously you you just got to be there and you know, put your tin hat on and hope <laughs> for the best so i got diagnosed probably in my mid-30s and after i had my diagnosis i still was suffering and you know obviously a diagnosis is just to tell you what's wrong with you it's not that they cured you but as i remember back rightly they, they weren't really giving me many answers either as to where i could go forward what did you think, like, when I first went in hospital for that diagnosis, did you think that I'd come out and everything, you know, would be okay? Or what What was going through your head at that point? Um, well, diagnosis, like you said, is just literally finding out what, you know, what is up with you. And then it's for them to decide what they can do to help you. Uh, it takes a lot of time, but as you've said many times in your life, it's endometriosis is not as recognised as it should be, uh, underfunded, and um, they need to do more because, you know, a lot of people suffer with it, some more than others, um, but it's, it is a big problem in women's lives. So did you feel like at that point, well, we've got a diagnosis, but where do we go from here? Um, yeah, it's... But your first initial reaction is what are they going to do about it but you soon learn that there's not a lot they can do they offer you your laparoscopies and things like that and and then you you've you've learned to live with it and work around it and help yourself really than relying on other people yeah and that kind of takes me on nicely to the point of like how much of a difference have you seen in me since i started doing my own research and my own work on it Oh, massive. Before, I mean, years ago, it was, you knew that time of the month was coming and the mood swings were different. The treading on eggshells, uh, I can't do this, I can't do that. You know, the negativity as well because mm-hmm. of the, the mood swings with it. Now, you recognise it, you work with it, you relax a little bit more coming up to that time. You eat differently because you've recognised that certain things cause inflammation that is not good with the endometriosis so you've yeah you have more discomfort now than pain Hmm. yeah i definitely agree with that so you'd say that when i had my operations you know i I had a couple of operations as well where they tried to do something didn't they and and then did you you feel that there was any difference then when i had those i think initially you did benefit from it but Mm. it soon reverts back to um, the pain and you know several months later it was I mean I can't say whether it was back to how it was but you you still suffered and yeah you know struggled with it yeah I always say like it it lasted for probably about three or four months and then I'm back to square one again it they say that it, it just grows back so you can take it off as many times as you want and it'll just come back so yeah for me like that wasn't ever going to be an option again and and that's why I started researching and, and doing my own thing around um, finding my own way with it, 
which, as you've said, has obviously worked because I only see it from my point of view. I feel differently, but you know, you've got to ask that person who you live with sometimes of how mm. they see it and, and if, it, if they think that it's been a more beneficial impact on their lives as well. Yeah, I mean, probably one of the worst things is, you know, sort of the week before where you start eating and drinking differently is we don't go to the pub as much. <laughs> you know, you don't... You don't. Alcohol is obviously... You know, it, inflames it so you you resist from drinking it and um i suffer as well well sorry about that um, but i don't think it'll do you anyhow not to go to the pub for one week well you know make up for it another time <laughs> so as someone who lives with a sufferer what would you say the hardest part of it is initially like i said earlier just seeing the person that you care for struggle um, the pain uh, a lot of people don't get a diagnosis I've only learned this obviously from you know being around you and you know most men to be honest haven't got a clue. Mm. Uh, they just think oh it's a bit of pain they'll be right. Um, but yeah I've just learned that you know you've got to you know I've got to just be supportive and yeah just do what you can. As blokes are usually usually useless but. Uh, <laughs> You've just got to accept that it's that person, you know, it affects that person that way and um, that is a part of both of your lives. And what kind of advice would you give to other partners of people suffering? What would you say that, you know, that you do for me that you can pass on to someone else? Uh, patience. Um, yeah, don't expect too much out of the person that's really suffering don't put on them too much you know that time before make up for it in the three weeks before you know <laughs> uh, and just keep bearing at home <laughs> keep bearing at home yeah i love your logic about this Stu. amazing um but what i will say is to to finish this off is that what i find that you do for me is yes you you give me that space to rest so in the week leading up to I'm always like doing a little bit less around the house um resting more um and you don't like call me out on it you're not like saying oh you know lazy cow get up and do something you just let let me let me get on with how I'm feeling and and rest a lot so that's that's the thing that I would say that you do for me and and if like the times when I am in pain it's not so frequent anymore but the times that I am in pain you are there to like get up at two in the morning and make me a hot water bottle so that Mm -hmm. I don't have to drag myself out of my bed and, and come down and do it so you, you know you, you've always been great with that and yeah just being really supportive going out and doing shopping and and doing bits for me when obviously I've not been able to so yeah well as I said you do it for your partner wife husband you've got to do these things haven't you yeah but not everybody would I don't think so um yeah, I just, uh, without getting too soppy, thank you for all the support that you have given me and, and I hope that partners out there of sufferers can take some notes from this and, and really find a way to help someone, even though it's really difficult to see somebody like that and, and not really know what to do for the best. I think just the simple answer is just be there and, and you know, support them in, in whatever way they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about it, really. Well, thank you so much for doing this weird interview at our kitchen table. Um, and yeah, thank you for listening, listeners. And I look forward to hearing and seeing you on the next episode of Endo Matters. Thank you very much. 
Thanks for listening to Endo Matters. I've been Michelle Brooks from Desired Physique. If you have a question you'd like me to answer, please drop me a message on Facebook or Instagram or email me at info at desiredphysique.co.uk. If you like what you've heard and have found the information useful, please subscribe to the podcast on the platform you are listening to. Also, if you have enjoyed the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Endo Matters is recorded and produced by Strength in Media.